Hey there, this is Josh Risser, professional voiceover talent, helping you DIY narrators out there do your own narration on e-learning projects. Today we're taking a little bit of a step away from e-learning projects and talking about video in learning. Because recently I had a conversation on LinkedIn about improving audio for training videos. And thankfully, I recorded and edited live sound for a bunch of interview videos at a company I used to work for using a few different miking solutions. And I've mentioned this before, but I've also recorded practice sessions for a band that I played in for a while. So I have a bit of experience in live sound. And if my trip to DevLearn was any indication, I think this will be helpful for you because the number of sessions on videos and the vendors with enterprise video hosting and editing solutions and the number of content development companies talking about training videos shows me that video is big in L&D and only probably going to get bigger. But first, I want to talk about something that bothers me when we talk about video. As we continue to push video technology and phones and cameras and live streams and demonstration videos, we need to have a conversation about the one thing that seems to continually be forgotten, audio. And what's funny about it is that it's such a low-hanging fruit in a lot of these situations, and they all apply to learning. If you want to improve the overall quality of your training video content, stepping up your audio game should be near the top of your list, probably before investing in more lighting or a fancier camera. Be it scripted video instruction or interviews with SMEs or company leaders or even remote training that's originally streamed and then recorded for later use, no matter how great the quality of your video is, if your learner can't easily hear the person speaking, or if the audio is so bad that they're put off by it, they're not going to learn as well as they would have otherwise. Anecdotally, people seem more forgiving of subpar video quality than they are of poor audio. I know I've watched plenty of shaky, dark, vertical videos and shut off dozens and dozens of videos when I couldn't really hear what was going on. It's probably the most ignored part of a lot of live streams that I've seen. I'm guessing many times they've just used an iPhone on a tripod across a table from a couple of people having a conversation or maybe a laptop webcam and no external microphone. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for the philosophy of ship it or minimum viable product to just get something out there and tested or launched, but you're really disrespecting your learner's time and your work and the content and your video subject by shipping content with poor audio that people are going to tune out because they can't comfortably hear what's going on. Also, this harkens back to my days as a developer. When it comes to MVP or minimum viable product, so many people seem to focus on minimum and not the viable piece of the puzzle. Poor audio that pulls your learners away from the video makes that video content not viable, just minimum. Minimum effort, minimum expense, minimum effectiveness, and minimum learning. But you and I both know that video is awesome for learning when done well. You can see it in the success of YouTube and how effective and engaging it is to learn a subject through the videos. In fact, I'm changing the fuel pump in my wife's car next week for the second time, and I only know that it's possible for me to do the work because of a video on YouTube. I bought a snowblower on Craigslist last month for an amazing deal because it was broken, and I knew I could fix it because of a video series from a small engine repair shop talking about that exact problem on that exact model. Plus, how much are you spending on video editing software, maybe a subscription to Adobe Cloud, and the time and money you invest in graphic assets and editing the video, which is not a quick job at all. 
And then how reluctant are you to invest maybe two to three to $500 in a boom arm and a shotgun mic and an interface, which will make your audio significantly better and your video that much better. So now, my rant is out of the way. I want to talk about a few miking solutions that I've used in the past for videos. First, don't use the microphone on the camera. It's going to pick up all the sound you don't really want and pick up the sound you do want really poorly. It's going to pick up the noise and the echo in the room and that's not what you want. That doesn't mean that camera audio doesn't have its place. It's a great backup source. So if you forgot to hit record on your other mics or they fail for whatever reason, some of which we're going to talk about in a minute, at least you have something. So record with your camera mic, which I don't know that you can really shut that off in a lot of cases, but don't depend on it for quality audio. Now, the first miking solution I want to talk about is the lav mic. These are the tiny little ubiquitous mics that clip onto your shirt collar and do an excellent job of picking up audio for your video. Their full name is lavalier microphone, but why bother with all those extra syllables when people know what you're saying when you say lav? People also refer to them as lapel mics because of where they're traditionally clipped in the case of like a newscaster on TV. If you call them lapel mics, just switch to lav, it's shorter and has the same starting sound. It's a really easy change. These mics are excellent because they're small and discreet and they don't get in the way. They move with your subject so you don't have to worry about them going off mic as much. We'll talk about that in a second. And they're dynamic microphones. That Yeti or whatever you have on your desk in front of you there, that's most likely a condenser mic. Condenser mics are super sensitive and they're great for musical applications and really picking up the warmth and the voice of a vocalist in the studio or a narrator. In fact, I'm on a condenser microphone right now. A dynamic mic is a little bit less warm sounding in most cases, speaking in generalities here. They still work in a lot of narration applications, but in a lot of cases they just lack the richness of a condenser. But because of their lower sensitivity, they're excellent for live sound applications. Think of a vocalist on stage, we've all been to a live concert. You think sticking a microphone on the stage for a singer of a band right in front of all those amps and the drums, there's no way that that mic isn't going to pick up everything else on stage. But that's the beauty of a dynamic microphone. In a lot of cases, the sound source has to be right up on it before it really picks it up, which makes laughs so great. They won't as easily pick up the noise in the room or the echo from speaking. Sure, you'll probably still get some, but it won't be nearly as bad as your camera microphone or your iPhone mic. The downside to laughs... Well, the first one is price. These things can get spendy, especially when you're talking wireless sending and receiving units. But why would you want to go wired and completely remove the convenience factor that is the lav microphone? In the last few years, there's some lower cost options that have become available. And while I haven't really used any of them and I've heard mixed reviews, I have some thoughts on them. Like any low cost microphone, I'd expect quality control issues. So maybe you order two or three, and some of them are great, and a couple of them are all buzzy. Also, the cheaper they get, the more likely they are to sound thin and tinny because of the cheaper components, and because of the cheaper components, the shorter their usable life will most likely be. The other downside to a lav mic is how dangerous it is to trust a microphone to a subject, especially one who's moving. If you choose to use a lav mic, 
I highly recommend having someone monitor the audio from the microphone 100% of the time, stopping you if anything comes up, and fixing the problem before you continue recording. It's too easy for the clip to slide or the mic to rub up against a shirt collar or skin or jewelry or long hair that changes position halfway through recording. Maybe they bump it up against their lapel and it's all muffled. Maybe the batteries die in your wireless unit and you lose audio partway through and you don't notice until the end. I think you get my point. I don't trust my video subjects with my microphones. There are just so many additional variables that are introduced when you stick a mic to somebody, especially if they're moving around. Although, that's some of the best way to pick up audio for someone who's moving around. So you've got that dichotomy going there. So it's always best to have someone live monitoring when you're using lav mics. Okay, so that's all I really have to say about lav mics. Let's move on to the other very useful microphone for live audio situations, and that's the shotgun mic. Shotgun mics are those furry microphones that you see sneaking into a shot in blooper reels of TV shows and movies. But they aren't typically furry. They're actually long cylindrical microphones that are named shotgun for either the fact that the barrel of the mic looks like the barrel of a shotgun or maybe that their pickup pattern starts really narrow at the microphone and spreads out the further you are from the mic, which is kind of how the BBs from a shotgun blast works. Or now that I'm thinking about it, probably both reasons. Anyway, shotgun mics are the industry standard for audio pickup in the sparkly world of Hollywood. They're held by people just off the camera on long boom arms and pointed down at the actors. Everyone's seen the image of that guy or gal on the side holding the shotgun mic boom. They're also placed around the set, cleverly hidden behind objects and pointed up where the actors will tend to be to pick up sound that way. So if you want Hollywood sound, you want a shotgun mic and a highly talented sound guy and editor. But the microphone is a good start for a couple of reasons. You can position one or two of them above the heads of two people or one person in an interview situation, and they can be right out of frame but close enough to capture the voice really, really well. In fact, if you frame up a shot correctly, you can get the mic to within a foot or two of the mouth of a seated subject and have a phenomenal audio quality experience. The pickup pattern, like I mentioned earlier, when talking about the name of the mic, is really, really tightly focused when you're close to the microphone. And the rejection from the sides of the mic, the rejection, its ability to ignore sounds, is also excellent. So if you position it correctly, you won't get a ton of ambient noise, and even it'll cut down on some of the echo in the room. But it's also a weakness of the microphone that we'll discuss in a second. There are also a ton of affordable options out there for shotgun mics. I have two shotguns. The affordable one is my traveling shotgun mic if, that I use for my voiceover setup when I travel. It's the Audio-Technica AT-875R. It's about 150 bucks, 175 maybe. I used it to record episode 16 from my hotel room at DevLearn. The nice thing about that price range is it's the lowest real end of the price range for a high quality mic. So 150 bucks is kind of the low end of high quality, higher quality, mid-range quality mics. Maybe acceptable quality mics. The best part is, is that you can not only use a shotgun mic like the 875R or the other one I have is the Sennheiser 416, which is way too expensive. You cannot only use it for videos. 
but they work pretty well for narration for e-learning too, so it's kind of a double tasker and not just a monotasker, and anything you can use for more than one purpose has a lot of added value. There are also other affordable shotgun mic options out there. Uh, the Rode NTG series of mics, the NTG-1, is there one? Two? NTG-2 I know is popular. They start around the $200 price point, and they're pretty popular too. Alright, so let's talk about the downsides to shotgun mics. First, there's some mic position woes that come along with the pickup pattern style on those shotgun mics. The position of the mic is also limited to the length of your mic cable since you're going to have it on a boom arm out of frame if you don't have a wireless sending unit, which would be another extra cost. So you'll probably need a longer cable, but thankfully those are pretty cheap. The mic itself, like I said, will require a longer stand. It has to be tall enough to get it up above the subject and out of frame, and then the arm on it has to be long enough to keep it on a frame and get it over your subject's head. And also, those stands require you to weigh down the base a little bit because the center of gravity moves way out once you put the mic on there. Shotgun mics are pretty light, but they still, still will offset a long enough boom arm, so you can do that with just a sandbag or like a heavy backpack. It's not really a big deal. I'm sure you're innovative enough to come up with a free solution to that. Otherwise, your mic may crash to the floor and shatter your hopes and dreams of Hollywood sound. Now, I guess if you were filming someone at a table, you might be able to use a shorter stand kind of below the table pointed up at them, especially if they're sitting sideways or back a bit. Probably don't want it right under the table, but it'd have a pretty specific application in that case. Next, because the pickup area on a shotgun mic can be really tight, getting the mic in a good position will take some experimentation. You'll need to make sure it's pointed at your subject's chin or chest area the entire time, depending on how close or far away it is. The closer it is to them, the more important that is that it's pointed closer to their chin and not their chest. And the more chance you have for error of them getting off mic, the closer it is. If they do move around a lot, you'll need to move the mic further away from them. And this might be just a matter of like inches, really. But you'll have to move it a little further away. You might need to turn the gain up just a bit. And that will help keep them on mic if they're a fidgeter. That's what I would need. You want to move the mic further away because like I said, like a shotgun, the effective area of the mic gets wider as you get further away from the microphone but the quality of the signal from their voice is reduced. And we've talked about signal-to-noise ratio in uh, like episode 2 on mic techniques. Not to get too technical, but obviously it makes sense that the further away you are from something, the quieter it gets and the more you hear the stuff around you as opposed to what you're trying to hear, like the voice of the person. But once you get used to how a shotgun mic works, you can get really good at positioning them and overcome these problems. Once you get a mostly stationary subject mic'd up, you could probably go along with your day and not really have to check too often to make sure the audio is still good. And there are videos of audio people with mics on boom arms running alongside actors to keep them on mic or walking around the set of a sitcom and staying out of frame but keeping their subject on mic. And I know a lot of that can be replaced with ADR if it doesn't work out, but I'd like to think that most of the time it works because otherwise they just wouldn't do it. That pretty much wraps up the two main mics for live sound applications, at least the ones I've worked with. The next thing I want to talk about is actually recording the audio and interfaces. Now these mics, the shotgun and the lav mic, probably not going to be USB mics. They're most likely going to be XLR mics. 
XLR is the cable with the three pins or the three holes, depending on which side you look at, in a triangle. If you have a fancy camera, some of those may have XLR inputs on them, so you might be able to plug the mics right into the camera. And that's really nice, but I don't have a recommendation for that. Sorry, I don't have one. Haven't used one. If you're using an XLR mic to narrate your e-learning, you will have an audio interface for that. Something like the Focusrite Scarlett's or a Yamaha AGO3 or a Steinberg or a MicPort Pro. You can use those also in the live sound application, record right into your computer. You'll be good to go. But you'll have to worry about your computer position and cords and batteries and all that stuff. The other option and my favorite option for live sound you can pick up a reasonably priced external recorder, like the Zoom H4 or H5 or H6. They have XLR inputs, sometimes multiple, are very compact, and can record audio to a little SD card that you then pull out and pop into your computer, or you can plug them in USB to your computer and get the audio off that way. The best part about those is they also have other uses. You can take the little personal recorder around for just an audio only interview use it with an external mic and you don't have to worry about setting up a computer and letting that stuff get in the way or dare i say the mics on the recorders are not that bad they aren't amazing but they're not bad and they have kind of an xy setup so they're crossing so in an interview situation you get two mics that are pointed one at the interviewer one at the interviewee you set the mic in the table news reporters use those all the time you can also use them to record narration without needing a computer so Maybe you have something smaller than a walk-in closet and you can't drag your computer in there. You just print the script and shove your head in a regular closet, hold the script up, get a mic in there. Getting just a mic and a recorder is a lot easier than getting a mic and maybe an interface and a computer and a script all in to a computer or a small closet. Or you can keep them on you at all times and record the amazing ideas that pop into your head as you're walking around Target. Now the Zoom H5 and H6 are the more expensive ones, just shy of $300 and $400 respectively, but they have four XLR inputs. That's four mics you can plug in and record simultaneously, which is a lot of like future expansion. So when you're thinking about this stuff, not only are you thinking about your quality in immediate videos, but what can you expand to and use in later videos? Maybe you might want four mics for a podcast or interview type situation with four people sitting around a table. Or maybe you want a lav mic on each person and a shotgun mic on each person so you have, including the camera audio, three different audio sources. So it might not hurt to invest extra money in that, the recording interface, and think about the future. How else might you apply it? The H4, which is oh, like $200, I think, has only two XLR inputs, but that's still two, which is definitely useful in most situations. I know there are probably other options out there for personal recorders, but I've used the H4 and the H5, and I know the stuff made by Zoom is used by a ton of people, thoroughly applauded for being dependable and rugged and having a high-quality audio recording without noisy interfaces. The preamps that you plug the mics into can get fuzzy on the Zooms. I know they're quiet. That's enough of me blabbering on about recording live sound, but with how many people I see out there and hear about getting into recording training videos, I thought the subject would be really useful and well-timed for many of you. So check out the show notes over at diynarrator.com slash 018, and be sure to subscribe to the mailing list so you can get show updates and some updates about some cool stuff that I have coming in 2019, which is next month.
already. Also, if you have any questions, send them over to host at DIYNarrator.com. And if you're going to Learning Solutions 2019 in March, be sure to check out my session. We'll be talking about some techniques for sounding more engaging and more like a human when you're narrating e-learning, and you'll get the chance to apply them immediately in the session. I have an hour-long block, and I only expect to spend 20-ish minutes presenting, and I'll spend as much time as I can on practical application right in the session. That means you get a read in front of the class, if you so desire. Everyone's favorite thing. Thanks for joining me today. Appreciate your time and attention. Hope it was helpful. Get out there, do great work.